Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. I am Dave Smith. He is Robbie the Fire Bernstein. We'll be at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and a whole bunch more stuff. ComicDaveSmith.com for all of me and Robbie's shows together. And then for Rob's headlining gigs, go to RobbieTheFire.com. And where, I'm sorry, where are you doing the night after, Brea? Uh, Pasadena. Pasadena. There you go. So we'll be out in lovely California. I was just... Uh, I was just arguing with DeSantis people on uh, on Twitter, and it is I don't know why I I've just enjoyed arguing with them because it's a uh, it's totally irrelevant to even argue about DeSantis at this point. But they're just uh, and look I don't want to be unfair because there's some I actually know some smart people who were DeSantis supporters, and there's I understand the argument at the beginning, but he does have a lot of dumb supporters on Twitter. And it is fun to dunk on them because they're just so it is like it's like some seven stages of grief type thing. You know, it's like, dude, you really got to get to acceptance because this is just ridiculous. I mean, dude, I was arguing with people who are telling me that he ran a great campaign. And I'm like, you get listen, I could understand defending DeSantis. I could understand the intellectual argument why you think DeSantis is better than Trump. Like if you don't care about the war issue as much as we do, if, if that's like, you know what I mean? If you're like more, whatever the word is, if, if you're dumber on the war issue or something, I could see that. Or even some people rationalize themselves that no, DeSantis isn't really pro-war because he didn't explicitly say he was pro-war. He, you know, just said Netanyahu should finish the job and give them whatever they need to do it. But and on Ukraine, he never took a position either way. But regardless of any of that, you could make the argument DeSantis is better. DeSantis was better on COVID than Donald Trump, for sure. And that's a really big deal. And you could make the argument that he's uh, he's smarter, that he's more well-read, that he's better at actually wielding power than Donald Trump is. There, there's arguments to be made. 
You cannot make the argument that he ran a good campaign. I, I just like when you when you start the campaign as the hero of the right, the best governor in the United States of America, the man who took a purple state and made it a deep red state, and in the in on the day of the red wave that was supposed to come but never came, you had Ron DeSantis up there winning by twenty points. That's how you start the campaign. And you end the campaign as a national laughingstock. You cannot tell me that what happened in the middle part here was a success. You just can't. All anyone is doing is laughing at DeSantis. You know, it's a DeSantis really is in a position here where there is no argument for him to stay in the race from either side. Like if you are uh, if, if you're either a Trump guy or let's just say you're just a Republican guy, like you just want what's best for the Republican Party. Well, in either case, then it's obvious what DeSantis should do right now. Right. Drop out and endorse Trump. If, if, if you only care about if, if you're a Trump fan or if you just care about the Republicans defeating Joe Biden or whoever ends up running uh, for the Democrats, the, it's just. Because obviously, look, the voters have spoken. It's over. He has no path. Listen, his strongest state was Iowa. He's losing by a, a wider margin in Florida. But the state that he won by 20 points for the governorship, he's losing to Donald Trump by a huge margin. No, his, he came in a distant second in Iowa. He is about to get crushed in New Hampshire, crushed in South Carolina. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. He didn't even like spend any money in New Hampshire. He's not even competing there. Like he's way down. He was by the latest polls when they before everyone started dropping out. He wasn't even in third place. Chris Christie was beating him. He's got. He's doing terrible in New Hampshire. So if you just care about the party, you'd go well. Look. We have our obvious front runner and uh, the fucking government is trying to throw him in jail. And like, we just need to get him the victory. So drop out and endorse him. It's going to be Trump short of them removing him from the ballot. And if they remove him from the ballot, it's still not going to be you, DeSantis. It's going to be Nikki Haley. So there's no argument for anyone who's just a Trump supporter or just a Republican. And then if you're like a never Trumper, if you're Chris Christie, if you're the, the most important thing is that we got to defeat Donald Trump, well, then what should Ron DeSantis do? Drop out and endorse Nikki Haley, right? No matter where you come from, there's no conceivable argument that he should stay in this race. The only argument I can think of is that it's going to be funny to just watch him embarrass himself more and just watch him come in and just humiliate. Now, the other thing here, for, which is quite possible, is that I think even if she has a bad showing in in New Hampshire, I think Nikki Haley, and when I say bad showing, I mean, she's going to finish in second place at the worst. Uh, she's It's a question of like, the, she, has an, she has an outside shot of, of winning. Um, more likely she'll finish in second place. Uh, it's a question of how bad, you know, like, is it a second place like DeSantis took in Iowa where he lost by 30 points or is it, you know, does she lose by five, 10 points or something like that? But even if she gets crushed by like 30 points, I don't think she's dropping out. 
I don't think she's dropping out anytime soon. And she's got the money to stay in. And I think that all of the big donor money who wants Nikki Haley to win and Donald Trump not to uh, is going to try to convince her to stay in the race, hoping for the black swan event or whatever, you know, hoping that Donald Trump gets removed and then she takes the, the nomination. And if this is the case, if I'm right about this, this might be pretty entertaining because it's just going to be Nikki Haley getting destroyed in primary after primary after primary, and then having to go give a speech like she did in Iowa, where like Trump nailed her on it. He's totally right. He goes, you would have thought she won. If you listened to her speech, you'd have thought she won the night. She said the Iowa voters have sent a clear message that this is a two-person race when she finished in third. And so she's going to keep having to come up with shit like this primary after primary. That, I got to say, I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for just a national humiliation tour for Nikki Haley. Essentially, what I want to come out of the this uh, primary is I want Trump to, which he's already starting, I want Trump to harness all of his viciousness, one of his best qualities, and just attack Nikki Haley. I want Nikki Haley to be viewed the way Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton were after their, their uh, campaigns against Donald Trump. Just, uh, just humiliated and never to be taken seriously again. That's all. That's all I'm looking for here. Well, I think you might get your gift for Christmas, Davy Smith. Yeah, that would be that would be a nice late Hanukkah present. Um, I know what you celebrated your household. You don't have to lie to the fans. No, listen, we celebrate both, but it's just insane how much Christmas just dominates. <laughs> like the Christians just beat Jewish ass. Like it's, you know, like celebrating for Hanukkah is like you put up a menorah and then celebrating for Christmas is the entire house inside and outside. It's just everything is Christmas. You can't walk anywhere without just Christmas in your face. But I will I will say it's uh, it's contagious, that Christmas spirit. It is just better. It's just a better holiday, man. They just really the, the Christians really thought it through. Like the whole, how, what if the whole thing was fun and, and the Jews are like, what if you spin a top for eight hours and collect some pennies? And you're like, this game sucks. <laughs> like dreidel g- genuinely feels like a game that like children in, in like 1682 would play after like a, a grueling day of like backbreaking agricultural work. You'd be like, well, here, you get to have some fun now. Spin a dreidel. Ooh, you got the hay. That means you get half. It's just, it's brutal. Okay. Um, there's a fun moment. Oh, actually, no, you know what? Let's, uh, we should, we should talk. Let's talk about the, uh, the World Economic Forum uh, first for a little bit. So the World Economic Forum is uh, in the middle of having their, um, their yearly summit in Davos. Uh, if, if you don't know what it is, I just, it's like, um, like a gathering of cartoonish villains out of a novel all get together and talk about their like tyrannical plans for the future of humanity. It's really like, I, I, I'm not overstating it. It's like, it's as, it's as if I was, a 
Like I was using some controlled opposition to prove that I'm right about everything. Like if we, if libertarians were like, we, we want to create something to prove we're right. We were like, let's have like a global government villain. Like let, let's name him Klaus Schwab and have him speak in like this terrifying accent and have him explain how the future of humanity is that you, you'll own nothing and be happy and you'll eat bugs and you'll like, it's just, it's hard to believe that it's real and yet it is. Um, so I, have you watched any of it, Rob? I saw there were a couple clips that were making the rounds. Um, I think the big one was uh, Klaus Schaub uh, talking about libertarianism and how uh, we uh, demonize collective structures. Yeah, Brian, see if you can find the Klaus Schwab libertarianism video here. Ooh, that was quick. You had it ready. You have this anti-system movement. What we are seeing is a revolution against the system. So fixing the present system is not enough. Now there is, of course, a anti-system which is called libertarianism, which means to tear down everything which creates some kind of influence of government into private lives. <laughs> Even when he says it, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To tear down everything that leads to government influence in private lives. Well, yeah, They're my, it's my goddamn private life. Is this guy want to watch this fuck? That's what I'm hearing. Well, just like what the fuck? Like Klaus Schwab, you have no influence over my private life, you fucking weirdo. Get the hell out of it. Sorry, but it's, I don't know. There is something, by the way, this wasn't from this current summit in Davos. This was from like a, a month ago, but uh, there is like, it's strange that he even brings up libertarianism. I mean, libertarianism is stronger in America than most parts of the world. And we're a pretty strong minority here in America. Um, and it's just interesting that this guy, that like libertarianism is even on his radar, but you know what? I will say, you know, your terms are acceptable, Klaus Schwab. If you want to paint this uh, this picture of the dichotomy is Schwabism versus libertarianism, I'm totally fine with that narrative. That's right. There are there is some fucking creepy Bond villain in a German accent talking about ruling the world who wants to influence your private lives, and then there's us, the people who think you ought to be free. Pick between those two. I am fine with that. That is like the, the that, that is the best branding that libertarians could possibly ask for. I don't really understand how this guy managed to insert himself. Uh, that I guess he throws a nice party, and the world leaders just want to show up, have an excuse to have sex with some overpriced hookers and eat caviar. Yeah, he's uh, but, definitely got some kids for them to bang for sure. <laughs> But it seems odd that I, I guess this is something that world leaders actually go off to and want to sit through these speeches. And I've seen some presentations of terrible singers and I guess people doing uh, impressions of Native Americans or something. I don't know what they're doing over there. It's very but, bizarre. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And it's almost like shocking that they uh, that they record it and put it up like they, they record the whole it. thing. The parties at night must be so good. Yeah, yeah, there must be something to it. It is, uh, it is 
unbelievable. Like, you know, you see like, just like uh, when John Kerry like goes there and gives some whole speech about uh, global warming or something like that. And you just, it's like, dude, this just, yeah, like you're saying there must be a party at the end of this or something because this is so boring. Like, why would you want to do this? But who knows? They got some dirt on him or something like that. And he's, he doesn't have any choice but to go do what he's got to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, again, like you, it, you would think if, if we just described this to you, you would be like, this is some wacky libertarian conspiracy theory that there's like fucking these, these fucking cartoonish villains meeting, talking about one world government and running everything and the new normal and how you don't have the right to own things anymore. And we're going to tell you what to do in your private lives dressed up like a fucking Star Trek bad guy. Like, what is this? It just happens to be real. It's not just us making it up. This is a thing. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Nado Shave Co. Big Shave has been psyoping the American people for decades. Woke companies like Gillette and Harry's try their hardest to convince us that using plastic multi-blade cartridge razors is the best way to shave. The truth is that these disposable cartridge razors are the cause of razor bumps, irritation, and ingrown hairs. They also cost a fortune. You don't need an expensive replacement cartridge. You only need one stainless steel blade to shave the way your grandfather did. Whether you're shaving your entire face or just edging up your beard, one single blade provides a barber-grade shave for a fraction of the price. Their standard issue includes one traditional safety razor and a box of 100 stainless steel razor blades. Plastic-free, 100% recyclable, $75 allows you to shave for an entire year. And for those of you who like to use a brand new blade for each shave, sign up for the Quarter Shave Club. Members receive a major discount and pay just 25 cents a shave. Take down Big Shave. Visit nadoshaveco.com to get yourself their traditional safety razor. That's N-A-D-E-A-U-S-H-A-V-E-C-O.com. They are incorporated in Delaware, so your purchase is tax-free, veteran-owned, family-operated, and make sure to use the promo code PROBLEM for 15% off your entire order. All right, let's get back into the show. Um, I will tell you, there were a couple things that I was encouraged by that I saw at um, at, at the World Economic Forum's uh, gathering in Davos. Uh, number one was, much like last year, for the second year in a row, uh, they were very consistent about uh, what the biggest threat in the world is. Do you know what it is, Rob? Uh, well, don't they like to preach about diseases a bunch? It was not disease that was in the list, but it was not number one. Non-compliance with the disease authorities? Essentially. Essentially. Misinformation. Oh, okay. Misinformation okay. is the biggest threat and this was consistent throughout the whole meeting. Well, now he's attacking my 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 good old fashioned industry. Yeah, that's right. Us. I've been a misinformation pedalist uh, for six, seven years running now. No, but basically that's exactly right. That it's 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 us. It's libertarians, and it's it's misinformation. All the stuff Can we I make specialize a living, in. A good honest living and misinformation. Who are they well, to take that from me? You know how I've kind of you know how I, I've gone on these rants where I, I describe this in different ways, but that if you if you want to understand where these people are coming from, sometimes you have to, 
you have to recognize that they use that the words mean something different to them. And I really do think this is the way to think about things. So the example I, I always give is that, uh, um, you know, I think it was Hillary Clinton who said, uh, she said that Vladimir Putin has uh, brought his troops right up to NATO's doorstep. And she was referring to in Russia at the time, because actually it's just that we brought NATO up to his doorstep. But from her right. perspective, it's like that. Or look, when, when they say, when uh, Hillary Clinton or Lindsey Graham or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or any of these people, when they say that, um, that Iran is a threat to America, they are correct by their definition. Because if you just if you just listen to the words and you think, wait, what do you mean? How would this this weak third world country halfway around the world doesn't have nuclear weapons, doesn't have a sophisticated air force, does it couldn't possibly hit us? How would they be a threat to the United States of America? Because when you think of the United States of America, you're thinking of the middle part of North America, right? Like you're thinking of, you know whatever, from the border of Canada to the border of Mexico and a little bit of Alaska up here. But when they say it, they're talking about the American empire. They're talking about our ability to rule the world. And in that sense, Iran is a threat because Iran won't let us rule them. So they're a threat to our ability to rule Iran. So like, if you just understand what they're saying, you, you get where they're coming from. So another good example of this is uh, democracy. When they say democracy, what they mean is the status quo. What they mean is them ruling. And all of a sudden when they say that, you, it all makes sense now. Because when you just look at it on its face and they go, you know, uh, what, voting for Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. You're like, yeah, but that's fucking ridiculous and totally contradictory. It's like, no, voting for Donald Trump would be a democratic process. But that's not what they mean. They mean Donald Trump. Voting for Donald Trump is a threat to our ability to rule you. And then you're like, oh, okay, I do kind of see what you're saying. Yeah, in a sense. And now all of your all of the actions kind of make sense. And we got to kick Donald Trump off the ballot to save democracy. Right. Yeah, you do. If by democracy, we mean your ability to rule everybody. So like that's now you could argue they're still wrong about that because Donald Trump was in for four years and they still ruled everybody just fine. And, but regardless, you get where they're coming from. And you got to understand it's the same thing when they say misinformation. When they say misinformation, what, it, what they mean is people dissenting from the narrative that we've decided is correct. People dissenting from our rightful monopoly on information and on ideas and what people are allowed to think. That's what they're saying. They're not actually having like a real argument about who spread more information, me and you, or Anthony Fauci. Now, I, I think I, I think it is objectively the case that me and you, Rob, uh, sp uh, spread far less misinformation than Anthony Fauci. That, and, and I mean, I think if there was, if, if it that was wasn't based on the information they knew at the time, right, right. But like, if there was, let's just say theoretically, there was like a neutral, objective court. And we had to go and it was Anthony Fauci on one side and me and you 
on the other side. And we had to argue to any objective like person who was actually being fair and argue over who spread more misinformation. Me and you would just destroy Anthony Fauci. I mean, we could do that. We we're I'm saying we actually had time to research and put a case together and we can play all of the clips of what we were saying versus what Fauci was saying. The, the, the things he got wrong, the impact that it had when he got things wrong. We would just, I mean, annihilate, annihilate him. Right. So but they are not actually at the World Economic Forum trying to have that argument they're not actually going like, well, you know, who's really the most responsible for misinformation? Because if we were doing that, man, like, you know, NBC and CNN and all these guys are in a lot of trouble, right? Obviously, it's a given when they say the word misinformation that they're not talking about uh, 15 days to slow the spread as being misinformation. They're not talking about um, masks work as being misinformation. They're not talking about lockdowns work. They're not talking about if you get the vaccine, you can't get COVID and you can't transmit COVID, right? These are all things that were objectively misinformation, but they're not, they're, uh, we all know, what are they talking about? They're talking about Joe Rogan or RFK or any of the people who, the, the uh, Barrington Declaration, like any of the people who went against the official or so just when I'm saying this, understand that what they're saying is the threat is not misinformation as the word is actually defined the same way. They're not saying democracy as the word is actually defined or America as the word, you know, it, that's not what they mean. What they're saying is that the biggest threat is that people are allowed to challenge the propaganda and they're right about that. But that should be kind of encouraging to us. It should be kind of encouraging to us that these guys recognize that we might win. Like, think about that. They're saying we have this real problem of misinformation. They're saying, essentially, this is a threat to our ability to enact the plans we want to enact that people are allowed to destroy our propaganda. I think that's encouraging. I think it's encouraging that they recognize that there's a real issue with that. Now, it's a little bit troubling because you're like, shit, what are they going to do to crack down on it? But for the time being, we still have voices. We still have the ability to dissent. We have the ability to do shows like this one and many other shows where people are just like destroying the propaganda. And that's encouraging. They know that if enough people wake up, they are screwed. And so that's what we just got to keep doing. And we got to keep doing the thing that they see as the biggest threat. So you're goddamn right. You're goddamn right. Us libertarians and misinformation spreaders are here to make sure that, that our kids do not grow up in the world that you have envisioned for them. Because it really is, dude, like the, the world that they have envisioned is a goddamn nightmare. They want to turn the world into North Korea. They want everyone to be living in a system where they're constantly monitored. They are, do not have the right to own anything. They, are, they will eat bugs because it's better for your carbon footprint than having a burger. You won't be able to drive a car that's, uh, you know, that runs off oil. You won't be able to have the wrong type of stove. I, this, is not, th this is not me projecting what I think they believe. They will tell you this in their own words. This is what they want. And they see what we're doing as a threat to them. 
So that tells me we're doing the right thing. Let's keep spreading this misinformation. But at least there was one guy willing to go over there and tell him to go fuck themselves. Ooh, that was the other thing. That was great. Uh, that was pretty great. Now, I'll tell you, uh, this, if, if you haven't seen it uh, or listened to it, there's you can find it online, and there's versions of it that are... Uh, that are By the like way, I also heard he had sex with all the hookers last night, and they were so satisfied they just left. That's what I also heard. <laughs> well, Javier Malay uh, is who we're referring to. And I will say this. I believe I mentioned this before on the podcast. But just to be clear, I don't know enough to know if this guy's the real deal or not in terms of, like, whether he's actually – I don't know enough about the politics in Argentina – to know like whether he's really doing this. I've seen kind of like mixed reports on, I've seen, I, I saw some people saying that he's basically already showing signs of selling out. Like, you know, he, he kind of like, like, you know, he runs as like, I'm a Rothbardian and cap. And then like, as soon as he gets in there, he's like, I'm kind of like a Milton Friedman, Chicago boy type deal. You know what I mean? And like, is already kind of walking it back. Then I've seen other people saying like, no, 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 he's the real deal. He's actually like gutting, government workers and doing all types of great shit over there. So I don't know. I'll just plead. I'm completely agnostic or it's not even the right term, but sure. Agnostic or I'm just uninformed about what the real thing is. And I know people will say, okay, he's had some really bad foreign policy takes and he's talking about putting his country on the dollar and he's waving an Israeli flag and all of that. I'm just going to say I give him a pass on that stuff because it just doesn't really matter. It's not American politics. This is Argentina. Okay. It, it does not matter. You're not running to be the president of the empire. You're running to be the president of your little country. And you got to recognize that like, you can't like, you can't be the president who just led this almost revolution in in his country? Um, come like he can't really just come out and be like, screw the CIA, screw the dollar, we're joining BRICS, we're doing all this. There there would be a regime change there pretty quickly if he did that. And so, I'll just say, you know, who knows? Who knows where what he really stands on that. Regardless of all of that, the thing that's most interesting about ha Javier Malay is that whether he's the real deal or not, he said that stuff, he ran on that stuff, and he won on that. And that's really encouraging that you're like, hey, you could, as we've always thought for years, this is basically what we've been saying, that you could tie this libertarian thing to a hardcore populist message and win. Like, there's no reason why Donald Trump couldn't be up every single day right now saying, like, I'm going to drain the swamp. And you know what draining the swamp means? It means a drastic cut in federal spending. That's how all these people in D.C. are millionaires. It's because of the $6 trillion a year the government spends. This is ridiculous. This is the people's money. They're taking it all from you, and they're giving it to their pol uh, politically connected cronies. That's the swamp right there. You want to know what drain the swamp is? A serious talk about drastic cuts in spending. For years, these Republicans have been saying, government's too big, balanced budgets this, blah, blah, blah. And every time they get in, there what happens to the federal budget it goes up they spend more that's it we're done you know what i'm saying like you could say that in a powerful way like that 
The problem is that every Republican for my entire life has always been saying, I'm a fiscal conservative and I want to balance the budget and government's too big. And they never mean it. So now you can't just say that. You got to say it in a way where it's clear you're serious about it. You're serious about doing this. But Donald Trump could be saying that. Donald Trump could be saying, if you want to know what drain the swamp is, it's, it's abolishing the Federal Reserve. That's the center of the swamp is the, this private uh, bank made by government where it's kind of government and kind of not government and they can print money out of thin air and just give it to all their friends. We're abolishing that, right? right? So Donald Trump just has this populism thing with unattached to any plan of action, really. Just, we're going to drain the swamp. Well, how? I'm going to put all the right people in. I'm very smart. They're very stupid. We'll drain the swamp. You know, like it's it, there's no actual plan of attack. Um, and of course, he also appoints all the worst people. But anyway, I'm just saying that that populism could easily be connected to libertarianism and it could win. And I've been saying this for for years that like that's the libertarian. That's the only libertarian path forward is libertarian populism. You, you have to basically get, like let the people know that you're being screwed. And you're being screwed by these people. And so the answer is to strip these people of their power. And their power is known as government. So that, right? And Javier Malay essentially did that. He did that in a, in a country, you know, like, and became the president. Anyway, that's pretty incredible. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our wonderful sponsor for today's show. You know him and love him, sheathunderwear.com, the underwear of legends. This company is a great company. They've been a longtime sponsor of us over three years at this point, and they're run by great people. So they support our show. They are a loyal sponsor. We got to go support them. And it's the best damn pair of boxer briefs you will ever own. I'm telling you, take the challenge. Get one pair of sheath underwear. You're going to want nothing but sheath underwear. This is what happened to me. When they came on as a sponsor, they sent me a couple pairs. And I loved them so much that I was like, I'm throwing out all of my boxer briefs and I'm just going to wear sheath underwear. Why would I ever not have the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs on my body if I have the option to? Go find out for yourself at sheathunderwear.com. And if you use the promo code PROBLEM20, you're going to get 20% off your next order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code PROBLEM20 for 20% off. All right, let's get back into the show. It's also, uh, if you haven't listened to his speech, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. Damn great. Did you listen to it, Rob? I, I just saw a short clip on uh, Twitter. And I was like, oh, that's fun. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I got I got it. He showed up and gave the case for that centralized government's not, not helpful or better. Yeah, he basically and he's an economist, too. So like he really gets it like he right. really gets it. So he like gets it on a le le the level that only libertarians really understand it on where he was just kind of like he was like, OK, essentially it's like uh, communism is a disaster and it always fails and socialism is just a way to lead to communism. Oh, and by the way, neoliberalism is just communism too. Like it's all just different forms of communism. It's like, what degree of this communism do you want? And you're all wrong about everything. And none of you understand how to create prosperity. And the only thing that can create prosperity is private free markets. That's it. You're all dumb. Stop being a bunch of neolib socialist communists. You're all the same. You're all stupid. It's just a great speech. It was just wonderful. Um, and it's so, I don't know. There was something about it that just stood out 
where she just like, I mean, you know, like the pictures we were just showing and the, and the stuff and like whatever images that are conjured up in your head uh, when you think about the, the World Economic Forum is just like such a departure from your regularly scheduled program. You know what I mean? But it's just like all this nonsense and all this stuff where everyone's just sticking to the script and saying the exact same thing about what the Great Reset and the new world order is going to look like. And then there's just like this one guy gets up there is like, how about you're all a bunch of commies? We shouldn't do none of this stuff. Screw you. I'm out of here. It was beautiful. Uh, if we can find it on the topic of uh, misinformation, uh, Brian, you might be able to find this quickly. There was a clip of uh, John Kerry uh, talking about how misinformation got in the way of uh, Biden's uh, green energy initiatives. I don't know if you saw that clip. No, I didn't. It's it's a short clip, uh, and he just talks about it, that he's stepping down as uh, I, I don't know what chief chief counsel of uh, green energy bullshit. I don't know what his uh, what his title was, but he seems to be stepping down from that. Uh, and it's just a short clip where he talks about how. Uh, um, I think states delayed permits off of misinformation, and that's why a lot of the windmill projects didn't work. And I encourage people. I did. A, I did a long run your mouth on uh, with as the meter turns, uh, who actually knows the electrical grid very well, and we got into like all the dynamics about uh, why uh, the green energy stuff doesn't work. Um, but uh, one of the one of the aspects of it, which was interesting, was they made all this money available to go build like you know more windmills. But that doesn't increase uh, that's increasing the demand for windmills. It doesn't increase the uh, amount of parts the giant windmill makers can actually make. Interesting. And so, of course, their projections, their math was all wrong. Right. Yeah, of course. I just want to pull this here. I'll send this to Brian. We played this once before on the show, I believe. But it's so worth playing because on the topic uh, that you're you're mentioning, this is just the best, the best thing I've ever seen. Um, and it's so funny how the whole, first off, the whole thing is a scam. The right. whole climate change, like agenda, it's all just such nonsense. And it's, it's such a scam. It's unbelievable how much they've been able to convince like so many people that like, cause all you have to do is hand people an identity and then they jump right onto your identity. You're a so nicer you, person. If you just agree with this thing that the government told you, you're not a religious person. You're a science person, right? Like you, you believe in logic and reason and rational thought. You don't believe in some like ancient book that claims magic used to be here, right? You believe in ra in rational thought. Okay, well, what do you do in that case? That means you listen to what the scientists say. Well, all the scientists say this. And then you can just repeat that with all of the like self-assuredness that like, yeah, I'm the smart, wise person here. But, it, but it's just, an, it's goofier than any other religion. You literally have, in Davos right now, a bunch of people meeting to talk about how they want to control what temperature it is in 200 years. Think about that. This is, it's as nutty as any, like anything that, like the most primitive, incorrect science that we would all just laugh at now. It's as stupid as any of that. You know, like when you read about like, uh, what's it called? Bloodletting. When they used to like, if you were sick, just like cut you and let you bleed out because they thought it would get the virus out of you or whatever. And they just did nothing except drive people to be like ridiculously anemic and sicker, you know, of course. It, but it's on the level of that. This is just all so ridiculous. But the whole thing, it's a scam. And all of these people, all of them 
invest all of their money into these green energy companies and then fucking get government contracts for those companies. It's they're all there's like Al Gore and, and John Kerry and all of them are making like crazy money. They're making like hundreds of millions of dollars off this shit. It's all bullshit. But anyway, this clip, I just sent it to you, Brian. This was the best one ever where the smartest guy in Congress, Tom uh, Thomas Massey, got Pete Buttigieg there. And just, we got to just go through this again because this is just such a like this just exposes the whole goddamn thing. Secretary Buttigieg, I've been driving an electric car for 10 years and I've had solar panels for 15 years and I'm really bullish on technology and the way it could help make our country energy independent or more energy independent. But I'm really alarmed at sort of the naivete of those who are uh, promoting rapid adoption of these technologies with our existing infrastructure. President Biden signed a non-binding executive order stating that 50% of of vehicles sold in the United States should be electric by 2030. Do you support that? Yes. And he also said that by 2035 that uh, 100% of the federal fleet, federal government fleet should be electric. Do you support that? Yes. So um, which uses more electricity? We're talking about residential electricity here. A refrigerator when it's running or an electric car when it's charging in your garage? I would expect a car. Uh, would you say it uses twice as much or 25 times as much? I would think closer to 25 times as much. Yeah. It's, it's actually 50 uh, in, at the instantaneous moment. Mm-hmm. But over the course of a year... If I take the numbers from the U.S. Department of Energy about the average household, how many vehicles they own and how far they drive, over the course of a year, uh, an American household would use 25 times as much electricity for their electric car as they would for their refrigerator uh, if they had 100% adoption. If, if, and the average family has two vehicles, and this would be if the average family had two electric vehicles. Do you think it would strain the grid if everybody plugged in 25 refrigerators in every household? Well, if we didn't make any upgrades to the grid, sure. I mean, if we had yesterday's grid with tomorrow's cars, it's not going to work. It's one of the reasons why we believe that infrastructure includes electrical infrastructure and argued for that to be included, as it thankfully was in the bipartisan law. Do you you think by 2030, which is when Biden says 50% of uh, cars sold should be electric, do you think the grid will be capable of handling electric cars? It's going to need to be, and we're working with the Department of Energy every day. We've established a joint office of energy and transportation to map out some of the needs. Obviously, some of this gets outside of my lane, and we've been discussing with, uh, for example, the truck stops that are uh, looking at what their power needs would need to be at an interchange where today uh, they're, you know, they're mainly filling up on gas in order to accommodate that. And then, as you mentioned, a lot of the scenario for this is also residential. Uh, But it's also worth pointing out that uh, while a typical driver uh, who adopts electric is using more electricity, at the end of the day, they're using less energy because of the efficiency benefits of getting that energy produced at utility. The problem is we don't don't have the capacity to produce that energy. You aptly use the word need. You could say want as well. There's needs and wants to make this fantasy work by 2030. But the reality is the capability is not going to be there. The average uh, household uses 17% of their electricity for air conditioning. And um, that would mean the average household uses 1,870 kilowatt hours per year for air conditioning. If that average household plugged in electric cars, 
Do you know how much more electricity they would use in comparison to the air conditioning that air conditions their whole house? No, but again, I would emphasize. It. It would well, let me help you. Let me help you with overall. that first before we go. So on just pause for a second. Because this, this point he's making, look, it's just obvious that Thomas Massey knows what he's talking about, and Pete Buttigieg has no fucking idea what he's talking about. And this is what happens when you make somebody the fucking energy secretary because you wanted to get them to drop out of the race and endorse you. It's like how insane the political system actually is, right? The guy had no experience. He was the mayor of a small little town. And he's, he's like, or a city, but a tiny city. Not like I said, like people from New York City don't consider that. How many other mayors are willing to fake bike to work? Well, that is true. And that's what you need to run the energy department, evidently. But so the guy has no idea. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, like it's, uh, anyway, has no clue. But so he's going with this thing where he goes, yeah, but it'd be less energy overall. Because he's saying, yeah, but it's it's less than the energy that the gasoline produces. But that doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that you charge these cars from the electrical grid and the, we don't have the capacity to charge them. Look, after this came out, California uh, had, um, you know, their energy crisis. And the first thing Gavin Newsom said was don't charge your cars. The same way, you know how like they'll they'll tell people sometimes, uh, like if there's a real bad heat wave. This happened in New York uh, a few times when I was a kid, where they'd say things like uh, like Bloomberg or Giuliani or whoever was the mayor at the time. They'd come on and be like, "Guys, don't put your air conditioners below seventy five. Okay, I know it's uh, I, I know it's a uh, hundred five degrees outside." But you put it on 75, but you can't put it any cooler than that. And why do they come out and say that? Because if everybody put them on 65, we'll have a blackout. If everybody does that, the power is going to go out because it's too much of a strain. Too many people are using too much electricity right now. And why is that? Because everyone's got their air conditioning on at once. Everyone's putting it on. So just think about that. It creates a strain on the power grid when everybody puts their air conditioner on. So now imagine everybody put 25 air conditioners on. What do you think might happen? So this, I again, the idea of saying in the year 2030, we want to have half of the cars to be electric cars is, as Thomas Mosey said, it's a fantasy. This is not reality. The, what you could have is in 2030, we all have no electricity. You could do that. But that's all you're going to get. It's either that or we keep electricity. And electricity is pretty important. So I'm on the side of keeping it. And it's amazing that when confronted with this, he has nothing. His his response is just, well, that's why we're going to need a new power grid, a better one. And we have to plan about this for the future. It's like, yeah, but that part has to come first. Then you can do the mandating electric cars part. You got to figure out how we could possibly do that. And oh, yeah, by the way, you don't have an answer. There is no answer because the whole thing is a fucking scam. It's all a scam. It's all a myth. Yes, the climates are always changing. There seems to be some evidence that man-made activity is having an effect on our climate. Doesn't really matter. You know what matters? How many people are dying because of it? Oh, right. Less than ever. Fewer than ever. Climate, if you look up climate-related deaths and, and you look at the chart over time, it is 
uh, a slide out of a playground, just down and down and down and down. There is not some big threat to humanity from climate change. There just isn't. And the idea of predicting what's going to happen in 100 years or in 200 years is stupid. You don't know. There will be, we are right now on at the very, very beginning point of the biggest technological revolution in history. We we're, what's we're, we think we're, we're like, I don't know, the internet's been around for uh, three decades or whatever now. And I mean, I guess more than that, but the real internet as we know it, maybe not even three decades as we know it, but you know, there, there was some version of the internet that most people had in the nineties. Um, but we're just at the beginning of it. It's just starting. And now with AI and all this other stuff, it's ro with robotics, all this stuff. It's, it, this is going to be, uh, and the idea of predicting is insane. The, all the wisest people in the world could not, none of them in 1924 could sit down and tell you what 2024 was going to look like. None of them. There's just too many variables, too many factors, too many unknowns. So not the whole. So anyway, the whole climate change thing is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And all of the proposals that people have for tackling this non-threat is just make everybody much poorer and give us more power over you. That's what every single one of their solutions comes down to. So fuck that. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Z-Biotics. Have you ever skipped a workout because of a few drinks the night before? If you're committed to your healthy routine in the new year, you got to check out Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that is to blame for your rough next morning. Z-Biotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it most. Just remember to drink Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Give Z-Biotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash P-O-T-P to get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code P-O-T-P at checkout. Z-Biotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head over to zbiotics.com slash P-O-T-P and use promo code P. Um, okay, I do want to, uh, I wanted to play the um the Sean Strickland uh thing from the uh from the UFC press conference the other day if you don't know by the I, I'm a huge uh MMA fan uh, hardcore fan love the sport it's my favorite sport um and uh anyway Sean Strickland's a really fun uh a fun fighter he is the UFC middleweight champion uh so if people if you don't follow the sport he's uh he he just went and beat uh, Israel Adesanya for the middleweight championship a few months ago. And it was a huge, he was a huge underdog. So it was a big upset and he's a wild guy. Uh, and he just doesn't give a fuck at all. 
and it's just beautiful. I just love it. So let's play the clip from what he said the other day. I'm talking about you guys, the enemy, the enemy of Canada. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be. We've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I Oh, look, another, another, I'm saying in the swamp, you guys, a swamp. You become a champion, you become a star, and and someone says, Let me ask you something. Are you, are you, are you gay? I had the chance to interact with a more diverse. Are you, let me, are you gay? Can I I get an answer? Well, I'm asking, this is a part of, are you, are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. Okay. If you had a son, then. And he was like, you know, yeah, son, he was gay. You'd be like, oh man, you don't, you don't want a grandkid. No problem with it. Oh man, well, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like, you're probably the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau, like, would you fucking when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just fucking pathetic. And and the fact that the fact that you have no fucking backbone, and and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts? You ask me some stupid shit like that. Go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. Really, that really answer the question, but I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community you said uh this past october when they announced the bud light sponsorship that you'd go so hard on bud light in your next fight they'll have to accept me or denounce me when uh when they know what and we'll know what they stand for are you this guy's like that this canadian is not that canadian are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that here's the thing about bud light here's the thing about bud light Ten years ago, to be trans was a what? A mental fucking illness. And now, all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaseled your way in the world. You are you are an infection. You are the definition of weakness. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your fucking bullshit you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right. Fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying, no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, who they could fuck in school. I don't want my kids being taught about... You know their sexual preference. Like, dude, this guy is a fucking enemy. Uh, you want to look at the fucking enemy to our world? It's that motherfucker right there, asking these stupid fucking questions. Sorry, I'm, I, I told you she has been nicer, Lance. Lance, am I am I still doing this? Am I did I cross any lines? <laughs> oh, dude, it's got dude. It's so awesome that he's doing this, and it's so awesome that Dana White's his boss, because you know Dana White just doesn't give a shit at all, dude. We need so much more of this in our world. So much more of this. It's like this. We got to bring bullying back and just a, a bully. Because you know what? All this woke shit, they're just trying to be bullies, too. So bully the fuck out of them. Or it's more like I'm advocating standing up to the bully. Bullying's not not exactly the right term. But like it's such it really is like they all use these bullying tactics. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you said something three years ago that's inappropriate and blah blah blah. And it's like, dude, fuck you. Like what look, I got I got nothing against fucking gay people. And I, you know, I I don't have anything against trans people either. I just don't it just doesn't exist. It's not a thing. So I'm allowed to say that, you know, I'm not going to be a dick and run up to every trans person I see and go, Hey, you're, you don't exist. This is stupid. You're a man, not a chick. I'm not gonna, but when I'm talking to you guys, when I'm doing a show about telling the truth, yes, I'll say that you can't change your gender. And we all know that nobody actually believes it. And if you do believe it, you're crazy. I don't know. It's just not real. It's like believing the trees are talking to you or something. Okay. You can, it's not real. It's not real. Um, and I also hate, just, I hate the term, the community. I hate when they use, they use these terms that are, there is no such thing as the trans community. They're not a community. 
There's like, there's, uh, there's a black community. There's a Chinese community. You know, there are, there are neighborhoods where like people live together that, you know what I mean? That, that you can call a community. Trans people aren't a community. This is like a group of people, disturbed people, completely separated. Um, but anyway, I don't have anything against any of these people, but you're also like, what my interest is that you're allowed to speak your fucking mind. You're not a free person if you can't think and speak. And it's, it doesn't mean I hate gay people or I want to see gay people beat up or anything bad happening to gay people to be able to say what Sean Strickland is saying here is like, yes, I, I'm not going to pretend. Look, I have a son. Okay. I love him with all my heart unconditionally. If he were, if he, he's two, but when he grows up, if he's gay, I'll love him just as much as I, I will love him if he's straight. If you're asking me if your son is like, um, would you would you have any different feelings about your son being like the captain of the basketball team or being gay? Most dads would be lying if they said, I have no feelings about that whatsoever. Those are just the exact same thing to me. Doesn't mean I'll love him any less. Doesn't mean I'll I'll provide for him any less. Doesn't mean any of that. But yeah, one of those would make me happier than the other. And men should be allowed to speak their fucking minds. God, I just hate this. I think we need so much more of this type of response that Sean Strickland gave. Like where it's just like, no, I'm not being bullied by this. I'm not playing into your dumb woke game. I said what I said because I believe it. And fuck you, actually. Actually, you're the fucking problem. Not me. It's you're what's ruining everything. Just thought that was beautiful. Any thoughts, Rob? A lot of fun. Go after the allies. I like it. Yes, I'm an ally. Oh, you're an ally to their community. Shut up. Shut up. We all know what you're doing. You're not an ally to anyone. You're trying, you're, you're an ally to yourself and yourself only. You're trying to put yourself up on a pedestal as you're the virtuous one because you care so much. And I'm going to call you out. That's all you're doing. You're an ally to your fucking self. And it sucks. It's the lamest goddamn tactic for building yourself up. It's the same shit. It's the same as like the male feminists who are just trying to bang that chick. He goes, you're just the same as every other dude. You're trying to bang this chick, except you're going about it in the most pathetic, dishonorable way. You're trying to build yourself up. You're trying to make yourself look like the, the impressive good guy, right? And there's different ways you can go about doing that. One is you can actually be impressive. You can actually be a decent person. You can actually help other people around you, or you can do what you're doing right now. But it's the same thing. And just like it's a it's much it's much more noble for some young single guy to go up to a girl he's attracted to and just be like, you are gorgeous and I really want to take you out. Like I just like whatever, just hit on this girl. That's much more noble than going over to her and being like, oh, my God, these guys are such pigs, aren't they? I would never objectify you like that because I'm a feminist ally and I always have considered myself a male feminist. And like if, if you're not doing anything later, I'd love to hang out and just talk about the patriarchy with you. It's like you're both trying to do the same thing, but one of them's doing it in a noble way and one of them's doing it in like a bitch coward way. And by the way, women like the other one better. They don't like your weak bullshit, but that's all he's trying to do. He's trying to build himself up to look like the good guy who got the bad guy who stuck up for him. 
but you're a little bitch and he's the UFC middleweight champion of the world. So you're not going to like try to fight him and you're not going to like, you know what I'm saying? Anyway. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Sean Strickland's the man. That's our podcast for today. I hope Sean Strickland wins this weekend. He's got a tough fight. He's got a really tough fight, but we'll see. All right. ComicDaveSmith.com for all the tickets. Come out and see us in Brea, California. RobbieTheFire.com. Run your mouth. Rob's other fantastic podcast. That's it. Goodbye. See you soon. 